Welcome, and thanks for joining the journey. Hi, my name is Leah, and I'm a worship pastor in Ohio and the creator and host of the Journey podcast and website. I'm on a journey to yes as I follow the Lord's leading in this season of my life, and I hope to inspire others to step out of the boat like Peter and walk on water, never looking to the left or the right and getting distracted, but rather fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. My hope is that you find Jesus in your journey as you hear about my journey and the journey of those in the Bible who join Jesus along the way. I pray that you allow him to meet you where you are and trust him as he takes you where he wants you to go. Enjoy the journey. Welcome to episode 20 of The Journey. As I said last week, today's episode is back to another Bible journey episode, and I am excited about this one. This one came out of nowhere for me. I think I say that all the time, actually, which is kind of comical, but anyways, it did. I was Uh, preaching in church recently and asking the Lord to clarify exactly what I should preach on, or I guess I should say whom I should preach on since the series was um, that we kicked off in the month of May is uh, Women of the Bible. So immediately as I'm thinking about Women of the Bible, I'm thinking like these big name characters, right? Ruth, Rahab, Mary, Esther, Delilah, Naomi, Miriam, Jezebel. I mean, you could go on and on. There's a ton. Eve, like there's so many, so many women. And so I was having a personal time of prayer and and worship and just kind of uh, going through uh, part of my routine for the week. And as I was doing so, a a scripture kind of came racing, roaring, I guess, not racing, but roaring through my head. And I was like, what in the world is that? That came out of nowhere. And so after I continued, I was doing some dishes, cleaning the house, doing some laundry. It kept coming to my mind. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and sit, read this scripture see what it is. And so as I was reading through the passage of scripture, I knew that the Lord was downloading a message and I needed to be open to hear it and uh, receive it. And so I happened to just, like I said, I preach it, um, preached it May 1st. And so you are getting um, the the sermon in a nutshell here uh, for what I just preached, because I feel like it's totally applicable to everyone and not just people inside the walls of a church, but but everyone can can gain something from it. So today's Bible story is about an unnamed, I would say seemingly forgettable character in the Bible, one that I would say you read the story and move on and go, okay, that was nice, but maybe not something that you would dig into a little bit further. And so because it made an impact um, on me and my faith walk, I feel like we can learn something from this woman. And so uh, as I mentioned, she's not given a name, but she's given a descriptor. And so today's Bible woman is a sick woman. Um, And so what I want to do is like I've been doing recently is just reading the entirety of the passage to get the context of the story before I break it down and see exactly uh, what it is that jumped out as as I was reading through. So we've got Mark 5, 25 through 34. It says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, came and fell to his knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. 
So I want to I want to pause for just a minute and talk about some details to help us understand the significance of this woman and her condition. So it says in verse twenty five uh, that she had a, a a constant bleeding condition for twelve years, and so this disorder uh, not only impacted her physically for twelve years, but it also impacted her socially uh, because in this time a woman. Uh, would have been considered unclean until she had a uh, her her flow of blood had stopped for seven consecutive days. So because it said that she bled constantly for twelve years, I can imagine that she was ostracized. Uh, she was an outcast. She was isolated. She was lonely um, because uh, in that time, if if there was like a a leper, for example, someone who had a skin condition who was unclean, and they would enter into this community, they would shout unclean, unclean, and people would would get out there so to speak, COVID-19, six-foot pole, and you say, like, clear the space. We're not getting anywhere near you. So this um, idea of unclean didn't just impact someone like her, but also others who would be considered uh, socially unclean at the time. So I can imagine, again, I brought up COVID-19, so I might as well just say it. Like, March 2020, the world shuts down. We're all in our homes, right? And in the beginning, we're like, hey, this is a little nice change of pace. But eventually we started to get a little weary of isolation and being alone and not having, uh, being able to just go see whoever we want, whenever we want. Or so that's what we thought was the scenario, right? Um, not going to go into that any further, but you get what I'm saying. The point was we were in isolation as well. We want to call it quarantine. They had that same experience back in the Bible. And so, um, so I can imagine that her physical condition, being a woman, uh, understanding this physical condition of bleeding for 12 straight years would be a physical, just draining physical experience. But then socially she's impacted. And then also, I would guess, again, that she's got a huge mental and emotional impact as well. Um, so I, can, I, I would say she's probably at her lowest of lows at this point. She's desperate. Uh, the Bible says she went from doctor to doctor and spent everything she had in order to get better. But then it said she didn't, not only did she not get better, she got worse. So she's ill, she's hurting, she's lonely, she's desperate. And at this point, she's also poor because she literally has spent everything she had on doctors. So she is in a desperate, desperate situation. And so I want to talk about desperation for just a second, because I can imagine that, um, like this woman, we've all probably been in some kind of desperate situation. So I'm going to share a little story um, when I was thinking about just desperation one time that just jumped out at my head. I've got a lot of them, but this one in particular came to me pretty quickly. And it was, I, we took um, with a group of friends and we took our boys to a local theater here in town, a uh, rather large theater. And, um, you know, we were watching a movie and uh, I can remember at the end of the movie and my boys were probably like five and three at this time. Um, I can remember at the end of the movie, we were all gathering in the lobby and I realized that my youngest son, Quinn, was no longer with us. And so immediately, as most moms probably had this sick feeling in their gut, start being overcome with dread, panic, fret, right? Going, where's my toddler? I, I don't know where my toddler is. Why is my toddler not with us? So I turned into a I would say maybe a crazed person. And I went from person to person screaming, have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? I remember rushing through the front doors, running up and down the front sidewalk, looking to see if anybody had grabbed him, if he had escaped on his own and he was out there wandering. It's a pretty busy, um, busy location downtown. And so I, I was going crazy trying to find my kid. And I, I, for what seemed like hours, and I'm sure was just minor moments, could not 
could not locate him, but was just desperately going from person to person. And as I, as I'm trying to find him, someone in our group actually ended up seeing him at, at the front of the theater and he was dancing to the music and he was watching the the credits scroll on the screen innocently having a good time on his own no idea that his mom <laughs> I was a panicked mess so I hugged him I wiped him my tears allowed myself to calm back down but but in that moment of desperation I didn't care who saw me who heard me what anyone thought of me in that moment because my only goal was to find my son. So when I think about a desperate situation, I did whatever I could to make sure that he was back in my arms safe and sound. And I can imagine that she, this woman in the Bible, was in such a desperate place that she too didn't care who was around, what they thought, what they said, because she was she was desperately seeking help. So verses 27, 28 say this. She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. So again, I put myself in this woman's situation. So I'm sure that what she's doing next is what she thinks is a last ditch effort. Um, but one out of desperation, as I've mentioned. So she gives it everything she has to see if this could be the fix, right? This is what she needs. And the thing that I love more than anything, though, is that just by hearing about Jesus, she thought she could be healed. There's no indication that she is in any kind of relationship to know exactly what Jesus was capable of doing. She had just heard about him. And I can just imagine the faith that it took to push through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. And she, some, uh, some translations say robe, some translations say garment, but essentially it's the outside portion of the clothing that he was wearing. And she just needed to touch the edge of it, the tip of it. And so being an unclean woman, certainly she would have been condemned or rebuked for attempting to approach anyone, let alone Jesus himself, right? So I'm guessing that she was trying to do this in secret because um, she said it says she thought to herself. So again, she's having an internal dialogue. Maybe she breathes, says it out loud under her breath, but she's not talking to anyone in particular, not drawing attention to herself, and she's just trying to secretly get there. So she thinks, if I could just touch the outside part of his clothes, the hem of his garment, his robe, and so her faith was such that she knew that, well, she thought, based upon what she heard, that one small touch could change everything. And so I love what happens next. It says in verses 29 through 32, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out for him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. So the teacher in me wants to point out a couple, what I would like to say context clues, big words being used uh, to help us understand the significance of what's transpired. And so for her, it says immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed immediately. And then it says, Jesus realized at once that a healing power had gone out from him. So both Jesus and the woman knew in an instant that change had taken place. Change in her body and power went out from Jesus. So the woman experienced an immediate healing. Jesus experienced an at-once release of his power. And I can imagine that given the description earlier where it says the disciples said, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? That Jesus was being touched by a lot of people. 
Yet something was different about this touch because it says at once, in an instant, when the woman touched him, he knew he had been touched. I believe it was a different kind of touch. I believe that Jesus knew exactly who had touched him. So then it leaves me wondering, why are you asking who touched my robe? Right? Did he want to bring it to everyone's attention so that he could be like, hey, look what happened. I would suggest, based upon what I know about Jesus, because he's a humble man, and because in the beginning of his ministry, he often said to people, please, you know, just go and be healed in peace and don't don't say anything until his public ministry when, um, you know, starting with the woman at the well, when he, when he says, hey, go tell everybody the Messiah is here. So I'm guessing, no, he's not trying to draw attention to himself. And what you don't know, maybe, maybe you do, is that right before this incident happens in the, in the scripture, Jesus is actually heading to a man named Jairus' home. And Jairus' daughter is in the process of dying. And so he's on a mission. He's heading somewhere to, to heal or um, this, this girl. And so I don't think he, you know, had it, he wasn't there to just had, do a, like a ministry moment where he was, you know, hey, anybody who's sick, come on up. We're going to have healing uh, service and that kind of thing. I think that the final verses in this passage, it's not about him or bringing attention to him, but everything to do with this woman and bringing some attention to something specific that the crowd themselves needed. Verse 33 and 34 say, Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. That was the verse that went roaring through my head when I was praying. And it really, I felt like Jesus was actually speaking to me that very thing. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And it became personal for me. And so I wanted to go back and read the whole story to get this context because something I want to point out is that in the beginning of these verses, what do we know this woman as? She's known as the sick woman or the woman with the issue of blood. And then we read on and it says after her healing, it describes her as the frightened woman. So she's sick. She's frightened. We have no name. Just the word to describe her. But she goes from sick to frightened. And why did Jesus call her out instead of just allowing her to be healed? Because both of them knew it. They could have just moved on with the crowd. Jesus could have gone to Jairus' house and accomplished what he was set out to do in the first place. So why? I would say he did it for many reasons. But one was to confirm what the woman already knew, that she was healed. I think he personally wanted to let her know that he saw her and that he also wanted to confirm, you have been healed. And not only that, but I love the personalization, the touch at the end, and he calls her daughter. He doesn't say, hey, sick woman, hey, frightened woman, or he doesn't say, hey, just, hey, woman. He looks at her and he says, daughter. He personalized his interaction with her and established that it wasn't just the touch that healed her but it was her faith. He calls her daughter, and then he says, your faith has made you well. And remember, 
She came because of something that she had heard. And she thought to herself, if I could only. What amazing, amazing faith. She had the faith that just a touch of Jesus' clothing would be all that she needed. And so I also would like to say that in this moment, I believe that not only was she physically healed of her ailment, this condition, her bleeding condition, but I would suggest that she was also mentally and emotionally healed. And I would say that because he sends her off in peace. He says, go in peace. And so, as I mentioned earlier, I can imagine this torment, this daily torment mentally and emotionally as she had to live with this condition that continued to get worse in isolation because she was unclean. And so because Jesus is who he is, he doesn't just do the the bare minimum. Oh, she has a bleeding condition, boom, done. He goes above and beyond because he is a God of more than enough. Not just enough, <laughs> but more than enough. So he he heals her physically. And then he says, go in peace. And I'm guessing it's like peace of heart, peace of mind. Your body is now in peace. But I also believe that she was restored socially in this moment. So why bring attention to it? Well, think of the crowd. She didn't go announcing herself unclean as she's approaching Jesus. She came in secret trying to to seek this person whom she'd heard about, right? And so I can imagine after being an outcast for 12 years and suddenly she knows that she's healed. And so she's going to start saying, hey, I'm healed. I'm, I'm clean now. I can come back into society. I can imagine there would be some skepticism, right? I mean, nobody's skeptical these days, are they? Yeah, right. So I can imagine in this scenario, we've got this community of people. People are probably going, uh-huh, yeah, sure, you're clean. Sure, you can come back after 12 years. Yeah, right. So I'm thinking Jesus wants to make sure everyone around knows she's been healed and it's come out of his mouth. And so he confirms it out loud for everyone to hear. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Not only for her benefit, but for theirs as well. And to use her example of faith. Something else that I can imagine is that because of the press of the crowd and the bumping up against Jesus, right? That when this woman's miracle was revealed, I can imagine that maybe there were other people in the crowd who needed a healing touch as well, but might say something like, well, I bumped into Jesus. I touched him, yet I was not healed. And so the significance here in pointing her out to the crowd was that she didn't just bump into Jesus. It wasn't like she was in the crowd and people were shoving and pushing and she just brushed up against him, right? No. mm -mm. She went there with the sole purpose of reaching out to touch him. And I think that's the lesson for today. Because you can go to church week after week, go through your day, every day, every second, and you can have moments where you quote unquote bump into Jesus. Because that's what the crowd was doing. They knew who he was. They had heard about him too. But they were pushing him. They were bumping into him. They were crowding around him. But the difference between that and this woman is that she made a purposeful effort to push her way through the crowd just for a chance to touch the hem of his robe. Just the tassel at the end. And so my questions for today are many. 
And I've got some specific examples that I feel like the Lord laid on my heart to bring out for people to consider. And I'm sure I'm not going to speak to all of it, but maybe it resonates with you in some area. So my question is, when was the last time you were so desperate for a touch from Jesus that you pushed your way through a crowd to get to him? When was the last time you were so desperate that you didn't care who was around you, who heard you, who saw you, but you just knew that you needed a moment with Jesus? And what will it take for you to get to the place where in faith you can too reach out and touch him? I would like to believe that it's not going to take someone 12 years to be fed up with their situation, to be so desperate. But to be honest with you, I do think that sometimes we got to get to a place of desperation where we cry out and we go, God, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot live another day without you. And I'm sure that there are some of you who may need a physical healing. Like this woman, you have suffered for years and maybe not for years, maybe just for moments, but you are like, I'm done. Maybe some of you have this diagnosis that you've had for your entire life and you're just resolved to say, oh, it's just the way it is, I guess. Is it? Is it just the way it is? Maybe you need a desperate faith like this woman to know that you can simply reach out and touch and be healed in an instant. Maybe you need a healing relationally. I don't know. Maybe it's a husband, wife, parents, kids, friendship, coworker. Maybe it's an ex-spouse that you need to just release and resolve. I don't know. But Jesus is in the restoration business. I do know that. She was healed physically, mentally, emotionally, I would suggest also spiritually as a boost in her faith, but also socially. She was restored back to community. He wants to heal relationships. Maybe you need healed from anxiety, fear, worry, dread, panic. Those moments where you are in desperation, but you are full of panic. You've been living each day worrying about tomorrow. Well, I want to tell you in the Bible, it says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. It can worry for itself. And Jesus wants you to know that he holds your tomorrow in his hands. And you, like this woman, can go in peace because your suffering is now over. Claim that today. Maybe you're stuck in a funk. You're deep in depression. Jesus wants to deliver you from that. Maybe you have an addiction. And yeah, I can talk about drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever. But it could also be you're addicted to gossip. You're addicted to social media. You're addicted to food. I don't know. You do. Maybe you've lived a life of bitterness and you have a nasty, bitter root. And maybe you're angry all the time and every little thing sets you off because your fuse is so short. Maybe you're full of pride. And Jesus wants you to humble yourself and acknowledge that you have actually a desperate need for him. You cannot do it all in your own strength. Maybe you're jealous, you're envious of someone else. Jesus wants to free you and help you to see the beauty in who you are and what you have and maybe stop comparing yourself to that perfect family that you see on social media because I'm going to guarantee you they're not showing you all the pieces and parts of their daily living. And you're banking your thoughts on something that is a false reality. Maybe you have a critical spirit and you are always negative. You're one of those people that sees the, the glass half empty. The first time someone brings something to you, you find the problem. You don't find the solution, right? Jesus wants to restore your joy. 
He wants to take that away and he wants to replace it with the fruits of the Spirit. He wants to give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. He wants all of those things for you and more. And I could go on and on. I told you I'm not going to list all everything possible because I feel like the Holy Spirit can do that job on his own. He can speak to you. And if I didn't, if you're like, whew, I got off the hook on that one. She didn't mention my problem. Guess what? You're not out of the woods. You too need a desperate faith to reach out and touch Jesus because he wants to meet you where you are. And when Jesus walks into a room, everything changes. That's one of my favorite worship songs right now. When you walk in the room. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness has to start stop to tremble at this. Everything changes. Everything. And the bridge says, come and consume God, all that we are. I give you permission. My heart's yours. So if any of this resonated with you today, I'm asking that you would take time to be desperate, to push through the crowd, to not care about who's around, who's listening, who's watching you, and to make purposeful effort to touch Jesus today. And then to let him, in an instant at once, touch you. And as I sign off on this episode of The Journey, my prayer for you today is that you would have faith like the sick woman and encounter your healer. That you would move from the sick woman to the frightened woman to daughter, son. My prayer is that if you find yourself in a desperate situation like this woman, that you have enough faith that you have now heard and you know that a simple touch is all it takes. And I pray That everyone who needs to be healed physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. I pray that Jesus meets you in your desperation. And he calls you by name. And he lets you know that your faith has made you well. That you can go in peace because your suffering is now over. Thanks for listening to The Journey. I'd love to connect with you and hear your story and how you're journeying with Jesus. You can go to my website, leahmenzie.wixsite.com slash the-journey and click the contact tab to connect with me through the form. Email me at leahmenzie at gmail.com or check me out on Instagram and send me a private message. Until next time, journey on.